So, in this week's Parsha, we are going to again see, view the Parsha through the lens of Rabbi Soloveitchik's interpretation and Drusha's, and really some, uh, his approach to the Parsha. So, let's just do a quick overview of this week's Parsha. We are still in the middle of the story of Abraham, which, as we noted last week, Rabbi Soloveitchik has an entire book called Abraham's Journey, the, found, the, the story of our founding patriarch. As with most of Rabbi Soloveitchik's writings, he, wrote very, he published very little when he was alive. Most of what he, he published a few essays, he published, both in Hebrew and English, on Talmudic stuff, on philosophy, obviously he published his dissertation. But other than that, most of what we have is either transcripts from recordings, or he wrote a ton and put it into shoeboxes in the back of his closet. Now, I don't know if he literally put it in shoeboxes in the back of his closet, but he wrote a lot, and subsequent to... Uh, his death, or even towards the end of his life when he was no longer healthy, they began to publish the, uh, his writings in more thematic ways. So there's a book dedicated to, to prayer. There's a book dedicated to Abraham. There's a book dedicated to the various festivals throughout the year. So today we're going to get most of it from this work, again, Abraham's Journey. I forgot to bring it it's in my office. And he really, we're going to spend the bulk of our time on the, just the first few psukim, the first few verses in this week's parsha. But as we'll see, there are going to be lessons that he gleans throughout the parsha, which we're going to try to uh, draw upon. So, last week, very quickly, Avram is told, Lech Lecha, leave your land, leave not just your home, but your country, your clansmen, the mindset and mentality of the world in which you live, and it's time to go to a new place where you're going to have a new mentality, a new mindset, a new new way of viewing the world. And also we saw in last week's parsha, there's a story of, um, of the, the brismila, where he gets, he's circumcised, there's this God promising him all sorts of, sorts of you know, his children will go down to a foreign land, but ultimately will emerge with Rechush Gadol, enriched and ennobled because of it. Lots going on. Again, I missed some major things. But that brings us to this week's parsha. Our parsha opens up where Avraham is sitting at the entrance to his tent, the famous tent that had uh, openings on all four sides, uh, symbolically conveying the idea that Avram wanted people to come. He's sitting there, very, very hot day. Rashi tells us, what, why was Avram sitting there? What's going on? Why is it so hot? What's the background here? It's very simple. God recognized that Avram wanted to do chesed, wanted to have guests. And this was the third day after the bris meal, after his circumcision, Never fun to have one, especially when you're 99 years old. So, what did, what did um, God do? He God made it really, 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 really hot so that there wouldn't be anyone traveling. And then Avram can actually get some time to rest and take care of himself. Well, that didn't sit well with Avram. So Avram goes outside and waits for guests, looking for guests. And that's where our parsha opens up. And our parsha goes on to, to discuss many other things, culminating in the famous story of Akedah Yitzchak where Avram is commanded to take his son, his only son, the son that he loves. Give me a second. And to sacrifice and to sacrifice him and ultimately as we know that doesn't happen. Yes. God didn't know Avram was going to do that. So we're not discussing the Akeda today. We're not going to discuss the Akeda today. I want to discuss just the very first work and Rabbi Salvage picks up as follows. Vayari Lov Hashem Elone Mamre. Hashem comes to appears to Avraham when he's sitting in the plains of Mamre. He's sitting at the entrance of his tent. It's the heat of the day. At the moment, excuse me, at the moment when it's hottest during the day, when the sun is on top, bearing down on all and everyone, no one wants to be out in the right. desert. Avraham is sitting there and God comes and appears 
to Avram. That is the verse. Says Rabbi Salavechik, there's something interesting and different about this time in Parshas Vayera, when God appears to Avram, that doesn't happen in all the previous places when God appears to Avram. Let's see if you can pick it up. Are you ready for this? So again, Vayara a love Hashem, and God appears to him. Vayelon a mamre, place a mamre. Vuhu Yoshif pezet olam kochom ayom. And he's sitting, he, again, Avram is sitting at the entrance to his tent. If you go back a few, a few chapters, God appears to Avram at a different time. Vayara, okay, same word, Hashem el Avram. God appears to Avram. Vayomer, and God says to him, Lezarech etem sa'aret hazos. This land will be for inheritance for your children. And then what does Avram do? He reciprocates by building Mizbeach, symbolizing some sort of inter- eternal covenant with God. Fast forward a few more psukim. Achar hadvarim ha'ela after those things. By the way, oftentimes when the Torah says Achar hadvarim ha'ela after that thing, sometime later that implies something significant happened. And it's not just here, it's also in the Megillah. Achar hadvarim ha'ela, these sort of words. So after that this happened, after this, don't worry, Avram, I will be there for you, I will shield you. And lastly, in last week's power show, God comes to him again and says, He was 90, he was 99 years old. Again, same word, God appears to Avram. He says, Walk in front of me and, and be blameless to use the translation of Sepharia. So, does anyone see the difference between the, the, this week's parsha when we say, Vayera, uh, Vayera Elav Hashem, versus the previous places, Vayera Hashem Elavram Vayomer, and Achar Dorma Elav, Dibra Hashem Elavraham, Vayera Avram and Tisha Shana, Tisha Shana, Vayera Hashem Elavraham. Number one, very good, that in... There's a love comes first. God comes to him. Doesn't mention Avram. And what else? What else is different? What else is different about the um, our parsha and the previous parsha? So if you look down, it's on our source sheet, twelve set twelve parak twelve. You'd base Zion twelve seven fifteen one and seventeen one. Says Rabbi Salavechik, in all the previous places, God comes to Avram, and what does he do? What's the very next word? Vayomer. God comes to Avram, God appears to Avram, Vayomer, and he says. God comes to Avram, and he says. God comes to Avram, and he commands. And in this week's parsha, we open up, it's just, Vayer love Hashem, Belon Mamre. There's no lamar. There's no saying. He just appears to him. Says Rabbi Salavechik, why is it? Then all, every time else, God appears and God says. God appears and God commands. God appears and God promises. God appears and God gives over some sort of, uh, some sort of law. Whereas in this week's Parsha, it just says, and God appears, a love, by the way, which is also significant, appears to him, Beilone Mamre. So this is the question Rabbi Soloveitchik asks. Why is it that there is no command? Why is it that there's no, there's no promise? Why is there nothing other than God simply or seemingly appearing. Interesting question. Any thoughts, comments? Crickets. Well, okay. Uh, yeah. There is, there is a promise in twelve seven. It says, 
So that's precisely my point. In all the previous places, 12, 7, 15, 1, 17, 1, God appears and God has a mission he's trying to accomplish. He's coming to Avram, appearing to him and saying, as you said there, I have a promise for you. I'm coming to you, I'm commanding you, bring your son. I'm coming to you, I'm commanding you, circumcise yourself. And here, it's just God, God appears and then the, the Torah just leaves that next part out. God appears, well, God doesn't do things gratuitously or for no reason, so what's God doing here? It's like the knock on the door, you open it up, you know, your neighbor's there, you're like, hi, hi, can I help you? Sometimes patients call me, I call them back, and there's like silence, and they're like, you call me. Exactly. Well, what are you doing here? You, 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 you want sugar? Do you want eggs? Like, there's, there's got to be, you hit my car? Like, what, why are you here? So that's the question my salvation wants to know. What is God doing there? You know, it's, it's certain things you don't want to hear. You don't want God, like, sitting there, you know? Probably don't want to hear the previous one also, God saying, circumcise yourself. But okay, not for now. So, says Rabbi Salvechik, the first place to look is, in fact, Rashi. What does Rashi say? Why did God come? What was God doing there in the heat of the day, on the third day after the bris milo? Why would God knock on the door? Yes? Hi, it's God? No, really, who is it? It's God? <laughs> says, says exactly what Elliot says, Levakar Sechola. He came to, to visit the sick person. God recognized that Abraham was in pain. He comes to visit the sick person. Omer of Chambar Chanino, so he's quoting Omar, I believe it's in Bab Metziah. Yom Shlishalim Lasohaya, it was the day three after the Mila. Uba Kadishbarch was Shah Bishlomo. So God comes to inquire about his health. God comes to see how he's doing. God was doing what? Visiting the sick. Which is fascinating on many, many levels. On many levels. This is actually the source. For the concept, one of the sources for the concept of the halachter bedrachov, of of imitating God, walking in God's ways, which is a command in the Torah that Rabbi Salavitchik spoke often about, that not only were we commanded to put on tzitzis, shake the lulav, or any other number of mitzvahs, there's also a mitzvah in the Torah to walk in God's ways. And I want to discuss that for a few minutes before we continue on with our story. So if you look at the next source, this comes to the Gemara in Sota and Daf Yudalit. What does it mean when the, the verse says you should follow after God's ways? Walk after God. Can a person really walk after God? What does that mean to walk behind God, to follow God? In fact, we say elsewhere, that someone who tries to come close to God will be consumed by fire. Meaning to say that God is so beyond our comprehension, God's so beyond us, you try to come close to God and draw near to God, you will get singed. You, you, it's impossible. So how can we follow God? It doesn't make any sense. God is not a being to follow. And that's when the Gemara says, No, rather to follow after the midos, the character traits that God demonstrates. Just as God dresses the unclothed, just as we know what happens, the story in Bereshis, God comes to, uh, to Adam and says, hey, you know, Adam, Chava, where are you? And what do they say? Now we're, we're hiding. He's like, well, why are you hiding? They say, because we are not wearing any clothing. To which point God says, how did you know you're not wearing clothing? As in before there was, before one partook and ate from the tree of knowledge, that wasn't a thing. 
And only after they put the tree of knowledge, suddenly they became, they became aware that they weren't wearing clothing. At which point, that whole story goes on, and man blames his wife, wife blames the snake, God curses them. But then what does God do? God it says God stitches for them clothing. So just as God dresses the unclothed, and so to you, as in us human beings, we have an obligation to dress those who, are, who don't have clothing. God visits the sick, as we know where? God appeared to Abraham in the plains of Mamre. God also should visit the sick. Or you too, excuse me, should visit the sick. And in a few weeks, power shows will find that God comes to Yitzchak and visits Yitzchak. Why was he visiting Yitzchak, Isaac? To Mavakir Cholim. To, excuse me, to Nicham Avelim. Yitzchak just lost his father. He was mourning. God comes to comfort the mourner. You too should go and comfort the mourner. cover God buries the dead. What happened to Moses? He goes into a mountain and God is the one who buries him. So too, we as well should emulate God's ways and we should engage in burying people. This is the mitzvah of Allah. I believe in Latin the word is imitato dea. To, to imitate God. Exactly. Which is, I, I want to note a couple of things in this. One is that Rabbi Rucham Levavitz points out, one of the Meshkiach and Emir, the Torah o- opens with an act of chesed. The Torah opens with God clothing Adam and Eve. And the Torah closes with an act of chesed, God burying Moshe. And the idea there is to symbolize that it's not just two acts of chesed, but book-ending the Torah. Book-ending the 613 mitzvos is chesed. To let us know that the, the, Torah, the chesed undergirds and is the, is, is, is the foundation for all the Torah. But this is, it's all built upon chesed. In fact, Rav Nassim Finkel, the author of Slabaka, pointed out that bef- the, Torah stand- the world stands on what? Three things, as we know. Torah, avodu, gemil, chesadim. Torah only came into the world later on. Avodu, the Beis also came later on. The, the thing that began the world with was chesed. It, pre- it preceded the world almost. Can, the the, 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 uh, the Midrash tells us, well, olam chesed yibaneh. The very fact that God created the world was an act of chesed. The, the fact that God created the world for, is an act of chesed. Chesed is so foundational and so important. And that is learned out of, and that, that is God's, in a way, one of the main attributes we're, we're supposed to emulate from God. I have a question. So a little off the tracks. A friend Jewish, whose wife died, and she wasn't Jewish. And uh, you were studying Shiva, and we did. The, um, so here's the question, and I think this is a question, uh, there's two ways to ask this question. We're saying that one of the most important things in the Torah is chesed, right? The foundation of the Torah. And therefore, just as God visits the sick, so too we should visit the sick. So I guess the one way to ask this question is, well, isn't that in and of itself a mitzvah to visit the sick? Leaving aside for those who are keeping track in the Rambam, we'll get there how the Rambam counts it, but surely it's a mitzvah in and of itself. Why do we need this extra idea of follow God's ways, visit the sick? No, no, you visit the sick because that's chesed in and of itself. We bury the dead because that's the mitzvah, there's a mitzvah to take care of the dead. Why do we need this extra uh, motivation, if you will, of velach v'drach, of in and of itself, it is a mitzvah. That's, that's one way of asking the question. Now, here's another way to ask the same question. Bear with me for a minute. This is uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Feldman, one of my Rabbeim, said it as follows. Now, you have a very, very wealthy man. A very wealthy man. We'll call him, uh, we'll him Elliot Ranitsky. Worth a billion dollars, two billion dollars, he wins the lottery. 
He wins the lottery. He lived in California. We didn't know. He's worth $2 billion. So what does he do? He decides he's got to give Meiser, right, a tenth to tzedakah. And there's actually a very interesting discussion. If you get a large sum of money, do you have to give it all away with, like, within a year, like get rid of it as quick as possible? Or can you give it away slowly over time? You decide you want to give it all away right away. So you come to me. You say, do you have a rabbit discretionary fund? I say, I do. So you give me a little bit. And you say, I really want to give money directly to someone poor. I say, okay. So there's a knock on your door. And I walk in with uh, someone who's wearing tattered clothing. Looks like I haven't showered in a while. I say, here's your, here's your poor man. Here's the poor man. And you write him a massive check for a billion dollars. Why not? You're very generous. And he walks out, and you're feeling all good. You, know, you just did chesed, and you just you know, transformed someone's life. And you peek out the window to see the guy, see how happy he is, and you realize he takes off his tattered clothes, he puts on a beautiful suit, puts on a Rolex, hops into a Rolls Royce, snaps his fingers, and they drive off. So you come inside. I call, so you call me inside. You're like, what's going on? Is he poor or is he not poor? I said, I'll be honest. I knew how much how pained you were, that you couldn't find someone to give a billion dollars to because no one wanted your money. So I hired an actor, I hired Tom Hanks, to come down, dress up as a poor person, and now look, you fulfilled your mitzvah. Don't you, you see how happy you felt? You fulfilled a mitzvah, you gave someone money. Ah, he didn't really need it. Big deal, but no? How do you think you'll feel? The corner was there. I'm not, let's, not, let's, leave aside, let's leave aside for a moment the mitzvah fulfilled and not fulfilled. How do you think you'll feel? You'll be upset. You'll be upset. You're trying to do chesed and you didn't do it. So here's, give me another, another story. You're sitting outside your house and you really want to invite guests. So three men come in and you go and you slaughter a cow and you bake bread and you literally, and you're in a lot of pain, but you, cause after an operation, you do everything you can and you feed them this delicious food. And it's really hot, and you wash your feet, and they eat, and it's a beautiful meal, and they get up and say, by the way, we're angels, so we actually didn't eat any of that. And we're angels, so we're not commanded even, and you, know, you don't have any command of beaker of, beaker of, uh, of, uh, to us. How do you think Avram, Avram felt? But again, it's the same thing. You, you thought there were people. You thought there were people, correct. But again, at the end of the day, did you help anyone? No. And if you recall, we spoke Friday night a couple weeks ago that oftentimes when it comes to mitzvahs between man and man, they're result-oriented. I mean, the analogy we gave there, and for those who weren't here on Friday night, Rav Asher Weiss was asked the following question. So Rav Asher Weiss, the rabbi, lives in remote in Israel. Someone came to him and said, they discovered after many, many years, their tefillin weren't kosher. And they were distraught. Not because, obviously, they can go and afford and get new tefillin. That wasn't a problem for the person. They said, for so many years, I wore tefillin and it wasn't kosher. They were really, really upset. So Rav Asher said to him as follows, number one, you should know that you did the right thing by not checking your tefillin because the halacha is based on the Mishnah and Shlomo Zaman Orbach, not going to go over the sugin now, but essentially tefillin nowadays, if you treat them nicely, they don't, you don't have to check them every, you know, twice every seven years. I don't, I don't, I don't want to dwell on this point. I just want to make a different point. I think you can ask me after. So he says, uh, and what about the fact that for so many years you thought you were putting on tefillin, but all you are putting on were black boxes and nothing inside? So don't worry, you also get the schar, you get the reward for doing the mitzvah, because the Gemara and Brachas and Davav tells us if someone tries to do a mitzvah and they don't succeed, God gives them the reward as if they succeeded. God just wants us to try. So that's all good and well, but the Gemara tells elsewhere that if a person, that, that, simple as possible, the Gemara tells elsewhere that if a person thinks they're giving tzedakah to someone and it turns out the person was a charlatan, they don't get the reward. 
So the Rosh Hashanah says, don't worry, there's a difference between tefillin and tzedakah. And what did he say? What is the chilek? He made our, our, our chilek, our differentiation. When it comes to being Adam Lamaka, mitzvah between man and man, man and God, excuse, man and God, excuse me, so then what we say, it's, it's avodah zakel, you're doing God's work. And God knows you're trying, you have the kavana, you have the intention, so it didn't work out in the end, don't worry, God sees you. All you're trying to do is fulfill His word, and therefore you get the reward. Whereas when it comes to mitzvahs, commands between man and man, so you can say from today to tomorrow, I really, really, really wanted to visit you when you were sick. It may make you feel a little better, but ultimately you didn't visit. Or I'll give a different case. Imagine you go over to someone and say, a poor person, go, did you get the tzedakah I sent you? The person said, no. Because but I sent you a check. It never came. Like, the person might feel good that you cared about them, but at the end of the day, the person didn't have the money to cash into their bank account. So the result of the mitzvah never, never happened. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore, it's, it's not, it doesn't count. Is this on this point or on the broader point? So I, let's talk about it afterwards. Yeah. So, you, but you said that um, a Kodesh Baruch came down and did bicker, bicker Cholim and all that. That means, and we're supposed to walk in the ways of Kodesh Baruch. So, what does that make bicker Cholim? Ben Adam Chaver, Ben Adam, or us emulating what a Kodesh Baruch does, which could be considered Ben Adam Lamaka? It's okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. I, I got it. I'll come back to that in the end. Whether, whether you succeed or not. I understand. We'll get there. We'll get there in the end. Okay. We'll get there. We'll come back to that in a second. You're, you're, you're right on point. So again, we're, we're, so why, we're, we're, how, how do we get this, on this little tangent here? So, okay, so mitzvot ben adam lechaveiro, between man and man, are result-oriented. And that's why, you, you, if you think you're giving tzedakah to someone, it turns out they're a charlatan, they're a fraud, no, nothing happened. Avram thought he was giving food and taking care of these people. Turns out they weren't malachim, they were, they were malachim, they were angels. What did he accomplish? And if you, especially if you look at the way Rashi interprets it, Rashi says God realized how pained Avraham was that he couldn't do chesed, that he sent angels so that Avraham could do the chesed. But results were no chesed done. It didn't happen because it was, it was angels he was working with, not people. But, so again, did, did, that's not the same analogy. Why? Angels are angels, so they're not going to benefit anyway. Where people are the people, and they didn't benefit if, if, if they didn't need it. There was no benefit. No, that's, that's, so my, that's my point. No, my point is that from Avram's perspective, he thought he was doing chesed, but it was... Yeah, but again, the analogy would have been to people who didn't need the chesed, as opposed to angels who... Don't need the chesed either. The point is that Avram engaged didn't do, didn't do anything because he, he thought he was doing chesed. We're talking about Avram, the paradigm of chesed. And what's the case? He was three days after his brismili, sitting in pain, and he treats, takes care of these three strangers. Yeah, but that's just not a good. It's not a good case. Give me one second, because they were they were they were angels. Yeah. Yeah, but he he saw them as man, right? So he didn't know. So he just a sacrifice that invite them to eat. Then that's when he realized, wait a second, this is a non-human being. I understand. And Elliot as well thought he was giving money to the poor person. Turns out the guy was Tom Hanks. It's nice you tried, but ultimately when it comes to mitzvahs between man and man. Again, the analogy would give when there's actually a case where it has an effect. Is let's say I go to someone who's poor and I say, Did you get, I sent you a hundred dollars for Yontif to buy a meal for, a meal for Yontif. Person's like, well, I never got the money. So he was still hungry. He never had his food. Maybe he, he thinks it's nice of me because I thought of giving him tzedakah, but ultimately I didn't do tzedakah. This wasn't done. The analogy would be putting on tefillin that aren't kosher. I mean, tefillin don't benefit from it. No, but you, I, but you do angels benefit. So I would say that would be the analogy: angels and tefillin, not angels and the charlatan. No, but the point with the tefillin, when it comes to mitzvahs between man and God, then it's not result oriented. It's more of what we call a, right. 
Yeah. In the case of Abram, he he was doing this for the the men who turned out to be angels, but as a way of honoring God. So he was doing both. He he was doing both for the, the visitors and out of respect for God. Uh, even in the case of Elliot, assuming he had such a thought in his head, he would be giving the uh, contribution in honor of God as well as for the benefit of the person. So what you're, what you're, what you're touching upon it perhaps is that oftentimes mitzvahs that seem to be between man and man also have a God element in it as well because we're following God. Interesting point. So here's what I want to say. I, I, I want to move on from here. I want to move on from this point. I want to move on. So can we ask two... So Kibbutz of is different. I don't want to get into that because Kibbutz of Aim might actually be much more God-oriented than, than being un-Chavero, being man-to-man-oriented. We're going to get there in a couple of weeks, actually. So hold that till then, if you remember. This is So again, two ways to ask the question. Number Question number one was, why do we need a separate halacha, if you will, a separate mitzvah, which, by the way, Rabbi Salvedic writes in Halachic Man, and I believe it's in a footnote, that the central mitzvah in all 613 mitzvahs is this idea of the halach to of walking God's ways, of imitating God. So, so why do we need a separate, a separate mitzvah to tell us walk in God's ways and take care of the sick when there is already a mitzvah to take care of the sick? Question, one way to ask the question. The other way to ask the question is, Avraham never, never did anything that was actually productive in the sense of between man and man, because ultimately it was between man and angel. It was between man and people who didn't need it. So why then? Why then we, do you hold, hold this? And this is the case. You hold up as the paradigm of look how Avram did Chesed. So this is what I want to say. And this is actually I think it's going to touch on a lot of the various points that came up over the course of uh, our conversation here. When we think of the mitzvah to do Chesed, what comes to what verse in the Torah comes to mind? <laughs> yeah, think of I would tell you, pull out a verse, probably one of the most famous verses in all Torah that comes to mind when you think of perhaps that would be the command to do chesed. And I'm not going to say it out loud because then Frida's going to you can tell me the joke she told me last time. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But don't get caught. Thank you. And now we're still recording. <laughs> well, isn't it like? Uh, Hospitality, that it's good to oh, hospitality because you never know one of them might be an angel. Okay. And therefore what? Well, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. <laughs> uh, right, very good. I hear that. I hear. So here, here's what we're going to say. The, the mitzvah, the Torah tells us, you have to have a kamocha, love one's neighbor as you love for yourself. That often is thought of as to be the motivator or the actual verse that commands us to do chesed, meaning you want to be treated a certain way, so you do treat others the same way as well. It happens to be uh, we, we've discussed this previously as well, that there are those who learn not in the positive, but actually in the negative. That don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to yourself. So that's... But the one way to understand it, however, is as follows. The mitzvah of a that is telling us to do standard chesed. Being a mitzvah, it's been adam lechavero, mitzvah between man and man, that is the mitzvah of v'yahav t'lerecha kamocha. Why do, why do, it doesn't say anywhere explicit in the Torah to be kercholim. What's the command to visit a sick? However, the mitzvah of following God's ways, imitating God, takes it a step further. And this is the way I'm going to put it as like this. That's the result-oriented part of it. Someone needs help, you go and help them. If you don't help them, you missed the, okay, nothing doing, you didn't get it. 
Imitating God is less about the result and more, as Elliot pointed out, the intention. It's you, by you learning to Im- imitate God, you are inculcating in yourself these godly traits of visiting the sick, of taking care of the ill, of burying the dead. Like Martin Chavez points out, Mahu Racham It's not just in the actions, but also in character traits. Just like God is merciful, you too should be merciful. Just like God cares about others, you too should care about others. It's less about the. What he said, correct. But, which is why the ultimate chesed is God burying the dead. Because that teaches you, and, and, and it says when Avraham, I believe the next week's parasha, when Avraham buried Sarah, that was like when he was really looked at as the ultimate paragon of chesed. Why? Because that was the first time he did chesed. I mean, that was one of the chesed that's recorded. There was no way to get anything back in return. It wasn't... Right, and uh, you shouldn't be looking for correct. it in return. It's not reciprocity. Repro- 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 correct. Correct. But my point is as follows, that... There are two ways, there's two elements to chesed. There's chesed in that I'm trying to help you, and there's chesed that by helping you, it makes me into a more godly-like person. It makes me into a giver. It makes me into someone who cares. It makes me into someone who thinks about others. And that, and that is less about the results and more about who you are. And therefore, one can perhaps argue that when Avram said, I want to have guests, how can I go three days and not have guests? What he was saying is not just about the guests, that I need to take care of, but what's it going to do to me if I stop flexing this muscle of chesed? What happens if you don't work out? You atrophy, right? You know this. So if, I, if you don't spend time thinking about how I can help others and helping others so that chesed and muscle atrophies and you start doing less of it, you, start, you stop thinking about people because what I've been telling is twofold. One is the importance of always and constantly doing chesed and thinking about others because otherwise you stop thinking about them, then you, it does, it leaves your, it, 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 you shift your mindset. And number two is to create a personality that imitates God. It's not just about the action, but it's about the personality that becomes God-like. And how do you become God-like? Take care of the ill. Take care of the sick. Take care of the, the, the poor. Take care of those who need things. And then it's about you transform as a person to a God-like person. And that is the key to the story here. And that's the key to the lach to the And the way we have to think about chesed as well. Not just how, who am I going to help, but also how is that going to impact me. And sometimes it's important to think about it as well because, because uh, we feel like, what's the big deal? They don't care. Yeah, but it makes you a better person. Sure. It makes you a better person. It changes you. It makes you into a holier person and a more godlike person. There's um, just a couple other points on this. Or if anyone have any questions, you had a comment? or I had a circular logic. Uh, so, so then that's, let's hold that for later. Rav Schechter, Rav Schechter, Rav Herschel Schechter, he wrote this book called Nevesh Rav, I believe the first book he wrote um, about the thought of Rabbi Salvechik. A lot of the teachings of Rabbi Salvechik that he heard over, he wrote, he, so he wrote them down in here. He's an entire chapter dedicated to this idea of Alach Vedrachov, of following God's ways. So he points out Rabbi Salvechik actually extends this beyond just Chesed. But he says that we turn to, we look at God and we try to think about the various ways that God's described in the Torah. And from there, we also glean how we can, in ourselves, change ourselves and live a, live a life that was, that's emulating God. And he gives a, f- a couple examples. Number one, he says as follows. The, uh, the, there's a Midrash, a Midrash Rabbah that says, God created the world, destroyed it, and recreated it. And destroyed it, and recreated it. So it says, Rizalvitcha, what's the point of that? Why would God create a world, destroy it? God's perfect. God's all-knowing. God knows how to create perfection. How could God create a world that's imperfect, that needed to be destroyed? And says Ray Salvechik, that was precisely the point. God was teaching us that as we work hard in our lives and strive for perfection, we're not going to always hit it. And that's okay. 
You can always recreate yourself. You can always reinvent yourself. Don't lose hope. Just as God said, look what I did. I created a world that wasn't perfect and I recreated it. So too you can create a world or create yourselves. It's not perfect. Recreate it. Reinvent yourself. There's always a process of chuva. There's always a process of striving for more. Don't lose hope. Which is a fascinating idea. He says as well, the, um, the, uh, the, there's a very peculiar Gemara in Avodah The Gemara goes through God's schedule. Strange. What does God do every day? And in it, it says God plays with the Leviathan. He plays with the Leviathan, the, the big fish, every day. He, with Leviathan, he plays with the... Kind of, what God plays in the schedule? What's he doing playing? But God's grown up. Why is he playing? Right? It's kind of funny, Gemara. The so Cesare Salvage, perhaps the message here is... Testing. T- testing? What do you mean, testing? He's testing. When he's playing, he's really testing you. No, see, that's not what Rav says. This is a fascinating idea. God's teaching us, don't take yourself too seriously. You can have play, playfulness in your life. You can have humor in your life. You can joke. You know, people who remove that element from their life, they have to dower and serious, and like, I can, I can only do serious things, and I can't, no playfulness. You're, you're missing something from your personality, because even God in his personality has a playfulness. That was a fascinating idea. To look through the Torah and learn how to emulate God. But I think we can actually take this one step further. And this comes from the Siv from Elijah, who I believe was the Rezalvich's great grandfather, great 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 grandfather on one side. Rezalvich of Elijah, Rezalvich of Berlin, has a commentary called the Emigdavar, which is a commentary on the Torah. It's a very interesting commentary. And he opens up as follows Sefer Beratius is called Sefer Hayashar. Not just Beratius, Genesis, but also Sefer Hayashar, the, the, the book of the, the right, of the just, the book of the straight. What does that mean? Why is it called Sefer Yashar? It says in the Tzivah as follows. It's called, he says, and, and also, by the way, he points out that Bilam refers to our forefathers as Yashar, as straight. He says as follows, because the, um, the whole point of the Torah is not just to teach us 613 mitzvahs, because you can live a very religious life keeping all the mitzvahs to every jot and tittle, the very punctilious observance to halacha. But you can live in a way in an immoral life where you cheat on, uh, cheat people out of their money and don't, you don't act nicely to others. In fact, he says, if you look in the second temple, in the second temple, what was the sin that caused the temple to be destroyed? Sin aschinam. That they uh, didn't get along with one another. Meaning to say... They were davening and going to minion and keeping Shabbos and keeping all the halacha, but they didn't get along with each other. You see, that's, okay, that's similar, similar, but yeah, yeah, correct. Very good. No, we'll just start the Ramban there. So it says in the Tziv, the reason why Sefer Beratius is called Sefer Yashar is to tell us that it's more than just the 613 mitzvahs. In fact, how many mitzvahs show up in, in Sefer Beratius? We have Peruvu, Mila, and... I think there's those two, right? Yeah. Peruvo Mila. There's two. Oh, I think there's three. I think I'm forgetting one right now. Okay, fine. But the point is, there are very few, scant few, mitzvahs that show up in Sefer Beratius. Says the Rai Salvaju, but even, though, even that being the case, Beratius, that's not, that's not there, Beratius, Sefer Beratius, is just as important, halacha, according to halacha, as Mishpatim and, and, Kat, and, and Kadoshim, two of the, the most full parashios, where we learn all the laws out. Why? Because it, what we do is we look, we read to Beratius, we learn about those who are Yashar. We read about the forefathers and how they lived their lives, and we're supposed to then pull out and glean messages and lessons and halachas from their lives, how we should live our lives, primarily in this area of Midos, of how to conduct ourselves between one, one and another.
And that too is part of this Valach Tvedrachov, I believe. That they emulated God, and now we look at Avram and say, look, how did Avram live his life? He was very pained, and yet he still went outside and stood looking for to help people. And why did he go out to look to help people? Not just because he wanted to help people, but also because he, want, he recognized himself. If you don't help people, that makes you into a stingy person. That can have an effect, a corrosive effect on your personality and your ability to give. This is a, the giving muscle is something you have to always and constantly exercise and practice, otherwise it will atrophy. So I thought it was a fascinating idea that emerged from, the, um, that emerged from this as well. Oh gosh, it's much later than I thought. Could you argue that he should have done it, Avram? Because if it's the most critical time of recovery, he's put himself in the Makam Sakana. He's, he's jeopardized his health. So it's like Mitzvah Bavivera. He shouldn't have done it because he's jeopardizing his health. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, so I w- we didn't even get to part two, which I, which I thought I was going to focus most this year on. But just to answer Inbar's point, Inbar asked, well, uh, when God went to visit Avram as well. So I think there's something interesting about that as well. What's the reason we visit someone who's sick? So there's two reasons brought down in the, uh, in the two, two primary reasons. One is the Ramban says we visit someone who's sick, so we experience the reality of them being sick, and then we go and daven for them. Well, if that's the reason, so why is God going to visit Avram so he can daven to himself about Avram? It's kind of a funny thing, right? Mm-hmm. Other reason is he visits someone who's sick, so you see what they need. What do they need? Right, Feldman said that his father, when he would uh, visit someone who was sick, he'd always inquire what was their favorite ice cream and bring it to them. It's a good practice. But um, visit, you visit someone sick to see what do they need. Well, God didn't know what Avram needed. And some people don't get visited. That's also true. But in our case here, Avram's visited by God because he was sick. But God didn't visit Avram so he can dive into himself, and God didn't visit Avram because he didn't know that Avram lacked something because God is God and God knows everything. So perhaps he visited Mo for this idea as well to teach us the importance of Beaker Holim. To teach us that just as he visits, we visit as well. So that also is that also is important important here. Okay, so as always, we don't we never we didn't finish what we we're getting to. So let's do a quick recap, and I'll add in one nice point, um, and maybe some other time we can discuss part two. We asked the following question. The, the Rav asked the following question. Well, the question the Rav asked, we didn't even get to. Oh, you give out. Okay. So, what was I, well, this, could they do this? What was, why was Avraham visited by God? Why was Avraham visited by God? The reason he was visited by God was God was doing Bikr Cholin, visiting the sick person, and we learn from there the importance of following in God's way, the Lach Tavidrachal, which means more than just doing Chesed, but actually, and more than just the result of someone getting something that they didn't have, but it's really the effect it has on us that makes us into a giver. It makes us into someone who's constantly thinking about others. And more than that, when you don't exercise that muscle of giving, so then you atrophy. And which is why Avram, even though he knew, or even though God was telling Avram, the lesson God was telling Avram is, even though you're not actually doing quote-unquote chesed, because the result is, these are angels, they don't need all this food, they don't need all the effort you exerted, it didn't go to waste. Because you're going to go three days, and you're going to, you can't go three days without practicing this idea of chesed. It's going to affect you in a very important way. And I guess this will take us to our, uh, our, last, our last point. Where, okay, so this is a, it's, a separate, it's a separate point, but I, I think it's just an important point. I, we asked the question as well, what, why did God appear to Avram? And he didn't give a command. He didn't say, I'm here to promise you something. I'm not here to command you to do bris meal. I'm not here to tell you to take your son. It just says, Vayar, a love Hashem, God appears. What's going on here? It says, right, salvation so powerfully. Because there are times in life 
when the mere presence of someone else in and of itself is enough. And when is that? When it's a friend who's coming to visit. And at this point, Avram transitions from just being the... More than that. Avram is transitioning in our parsha from being someone who is just God is God and I'm one of his subjects to becoming a friend of God. A friend of God. Where God was coming just to... Just for his presence to be there. Just to, uh, just to, you know, the, the intimate relationship of two friends. You don't always need something to be said or commanded or promised. It's just the mere fact he's there. And that's, why, and that's what was happening here. Now, the Yeshayahu, the prophet, calls Avram, calls Avram, Avram Ohavi, Avram my beloved. And that's who Avram was. He was a friend of God. And I think it's a lesson to all of us as well that as much as we think about God as Avinu, as our father, Malkinu, our king, there's also an element to a, having a certain intimacy that we can have with God where God becomes our friend, someone we can talk to, we can lean on, we can take, 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 you know, have God's presence in our life in a way that that can carry us through in everything we do. It's just something to think about also. There's when you're talking to God without anybody around you. Correct, correct. The, the God, there's an element of God being our, our friend and not just Avinu and Malkinu. And that's what, that's what the Torah is conveying here. By Yarelav Hashem, Hashem I'm just coming. Not because I need anything from you. Not because I want to tell you anything, but just so you experience my presence. All right, with that, 